Hello and welcome to Climate Conversations, the climate podcast from the Met Office. I'm Dr. Doug McNeil. Today we're talking about new research from an international team of scientists that details ecological tipping points that could help determine the future of the Amazon rainforest. Dr. Bernardo Flores from the Federal University of Santa Catarina in Brazil and Professor Richard Betts from the Met Office are two of the authors in this study. We'll be hearing from both of them. But first, some background. Despite global efforts to curb greenhouse gas emissions, global carbon dioxide levels are still rising fast. The land surface draws down and locks away around a quarter of all human-caused carbon emissions, and forests play an important role. Forests cover about 30% of the land surface, and there are perhaps 3 trillion trees in the world. We rely heavily on woodlands and forests to draw down and store increasing volumes of greenhouse gas emissions, curbing the worst effects of global warming. But that carbon sink is variable and vulnerable. Here's Professor Richard Betts talking to Claire Nazir about why tropical rainforests are so effective in moderating the Earth's climate and also the risks posed during an El Nino event. So all forests are important for biodiversity uh, and for locking in carbon uh, and for uh, as a home for people as well. Many people around the world depend on forests for their livelihoods and their their, their ways of life, uh, especially those living traditional uh, lifestyles. In terms of uh, other effects, though, the the tropical forests have an an extra cooling effect, not only by taking up carbon, but also by promoting cooling through evaporation uh, and promoting cloud cover above them. So there's a double cooling effect uh, from tropical forests, whereas in the northern regions, the forests in like northern Canada and northern Russia and Scandinavia, they take up carbon. But actually, they have a a local warming effect by darkening the land surface compared to the bright snow cover that you get in fields. So it's a bit of a trade off uh, there. So it's not to say that forests in cold regions are bad. They're good in many respects, but they're not as effective in their overall impact on climate because of this albedo effect, whereas the tropical forests are doubly effective. But all forests are important for many other reasons. Could you give me an explainer about how El Nino affects the Amazon rainforests and also the, the longer term effect of that as well. The El Nino phenomenon uh, can affect the Amazon rainforest by disrupting rainfall patterns, uh, largely by reducing rainfall at the end of the year, end of the calendar year and round about the turn of the year. So we've been seeing major droughts uh, in recent months which have been affected both by the El Nino and by uh, climate change itself. We expect climate change to induce a, a droughting effect uh, overall as well. So both these things combined have been affected recent drought. So Richard here gave us a broad overview of the stresses that affect the Amazon rainforest. There's an increasing concern that the Amazon rainforest system could soon reach a tipping point where it loses its ability to sequester large amounts of CO2 through weakened resilience to climatic change. For millions of years, Amazonian forests have remained resilient to variations in the climate. Now the region is increasingly exposed to unprecedented stress from warming temperatures, extreme droughts, deforestation and fires, even in remote parts of the forest where humans have a less direct impact. Stabilising feedbacks between the forest and the environmental conditions are being replaced by new feedbacks that reduce ecosystem resilience, 
increasing the risk of something called a critical transition. That's when a system in nature or society is pushed to a point where it undergoes a sudden change in its behaviour. Like a canoe that can be tipped so far, going beyond a critical threshold means that canoe can rapidly transition to a new state, upside down. Published in the journal Nature earlier this year, the study Critical Transitions in the Amazon Forest System analyzes existing evidence for five major drivers of water stress on Amazonian forests, as well as potential critical thresholds of those drivers that, if crossed, could trigger local, regional or even biome-wide forest collapse. The lead author of that study is ecologist Dr. Bernardo Flores. Here he sheds important light on the complex relationship between rising CO2 levels and Amazon rainforest responses, and how it is adding greater water stress across the biome. And so trees, they, they are expected to respond positively to the CO2, increase con the concentration of CO2 in the atmosphere. Because, so they use CO2 for photosynthesis. And when there is an increase in the concentration, it's expected to increase the efficiency of this photosynthesis. And then it's also expected that because of this, trees will be able to grow faster and uh, accumulate more biomass. So they can. this is expected to increase the resilience of the forest. So it, due to a disturbance, they could recover faster. They can become more... Um, rich in carbon, for example. So this is one, uh, one uh, thing that is expected. And there is another one, which is because of the increase, co increased concentration of CO2, trees are expected to increase for their efficiency, water use efficiency. So if there is a drought, or if the climate becomes drier, trees will be, could, will probably be able to do more photosynthesis, absorb more carbon with less water. So these two things, because of these two mechanisms, it would be expected that tropical forests, I'm talking about tropical forests, could become more resilient due to increased CO2 concentration. So that's one aspect. But then the whole the story is a bit more complicated than this. So because of the, the first one reason, they grow faster, then there's that like rule in nature. If you grow faster, you die younger. And if you and if trees die younger, this means that they are going to live less and retain, store that carbon for a shorter time. And then this carbon will go back to the atmosphere. So if they are dying faster, the trees in the forest, then they the forest could not store more carbon, but maybe store less carbon. And that's the, there is evidence that this is happening. So trees, the forests are storing less and less carbon, possibly because they are dying more. And trees are dying more. So the, the tree mortality rates we say are increasing, possibly because of this effect. Would you say that um, it's not just enhanced CO2, obviously, which is meaning that the trees are not surviving as long as they used to. There are other forces at play in terms mm -hmm. of climate change. Yeah, certainly. So we don't really know exactly what are the causes of this increased mortality. It could be also frequency of droughts, warming temperatures, because in, I'm talking about the, the Amazon especially. I, I'm, I mean, I know much more about the Amazon than other tropical forests. So, but I know that in the Amazon, they are dying more. 
And I think in, in other tropical forests, it's not necessarily like this. In, uh, the balance of the CO2 is, is not changing as it is in the Amazon to reduce, reduce the storage of carbon. So they could be dying due to also degradation by, by people, um, forest fires and, and logging other things like this that we cannot see from, from satellite and of also maybe in field measurements. So probably impacts of uh, extreme weather events are affecting especially. And there is another mechanism. So the, the water use efficiency mechanism that so trees could be able to do more photosynthesis with less water. Trees are emitting more water to the atmosphere because of this effect. This can reduce water transpiration. So when trees absorb carbon, they also, they also send water pump water from, from soils through the trees to the atmosphere. And then less water could go to the atmosphere. And as a result, this could reduce the effect that forests have in producing rainfall. So moisture flows from the Atlantic Ocean, and then it, it, it's, it's going to turn into rainfall in the Amazon. But once it, it, it rains, the forest, due to evapotranspiration, sends this moisture back and it can form more rainfall that will and then up to, I think six or seven cycles uh, can happen within this transport from east to west of, of rainfall recycling. And this is a very important mechanism. The, the Amazon has been resilient for, for millions of years due to this mechanism. And it, it withstanded several periods in the past when it was drier. It, so it, it was predominantly forest and it didn't turn into savanna, even when the climate was much drier. There are other things involved in this dry. It was drier, but also it wasn't so warm as it is today. And there are other degrading factors today that it wasn't, that weren't so, so severe at the time, but especially temperature. Now we are combining droughts with temperature, but this is another reason. So when, the forest increases its water use efficiency, it probably will reduce its transpiration and it may reduce rainfall recycling. So by increasing water use efficiency, we may weaken the, the feedback between the forest and, and rainfall, and this could affect for negatively the resilience. So on the one hand, there are these mechanisms increasing the resilience, and on the other hand, there are mechanisms reducing the resilience. So it's a complicated story to see what's the aftermath of all this change. The research team also considered the indirect effects of rising carbon dioxide and climate change on the forest, as Professor Richard Betts explains. So the carbon dioxide has a direct effect on uh, on the trees and on the other plants in the ecosystem, but of course it also has an effect on the climate. Uh, so we've built up CO2 in the atmosphere from burning fossil fuels and from deforestation. It's at the highest level for many millions of years now, around about 420 parts per million, uh, which has caused a warming of the climate. The, the climate has warmed by well over a degree Celsius since the Industrial Revolution, probably about 1.3 roughly degrees Celsius. And that has already started to change weather patterns around the world. 
uh, and started to increase some kinds of extreme events and make some of them more severe. So that will continue in the future if we keep building up CO2. So this is what we also need to be aware of uh, in terms of the effects of CO2 on the forest, not only its direct effects, but its indirect effects through climate change. Could you describe what would happen if parts of the Amazon rainforest, and it's a, I know how big it is, but if some parts of that became a carbon source rather than a carbon sink, would it have impacts globally? So if the Amazon forest became a source rather than a sink of carbon, it would start to accelerate uh, the buildup of CO2 in the atmosphere and hence uh, contribute to accelerating global warming. It would also, and perhaps uh, more significantly, it would have very severe impacts locally by changing the recycling of rainfall uh, because the, the rainfall in the Amazon basin depends a lot uh, on the forest actually pumping water back to the atmosphere through evaporation. It comes in from over the oceans uh, in the atmosphere, it rains on the forest, the forest draws it up through the roots, puts it back to the atmosphere and it, it recycles it. It also exports some of the water uh, to other parts uh, of the South American continent uh, as well, so it affects rainfall patterns there. So losing the forest would reduce that recycling effect. It would also probably warm the local climate even more because evaporation has a cooling effect. So if you reduce evaporation by taking away the forest, you have add an extra warming to the local climate on top of global warming. Back in 2021, Dr. Luciana Gatti and a set of scientists published evidence that showed that parts of the southeastern Amazon forest were emitting more carbon than they were absorbing. The reasons included land use changes, like logging and forest fires, along with rising mean temperatures, erratic rainfall, and increasing impact from droughts. Bernardo Flores and his team set out to identify this type of ecological tipping point across other parts of the Amazon. So you can see tipping point as the shift from being a, a sink to a source. Uh, this is a, uh, a change in the, in the functioning of the forest and in the carbon balance of the forest. When we address tipping point, we are talking about in this paper about the possibility that the forest can die or, or change into a different ecosystem, which is different. So the forest in this case is still there. It can still be a forest, but it's, it's just emitting. It's not absorbing more carbon. It's emitting more, but it can stay as a forest. It will be a different forest probably. And we address this in the paper in, uh, specifically because one of the things that we do is that we think of different possibilities of ecosystems after they go through a tipping point, after the, uh, the forest shifts, what would it shift into? And we identify three different types of uh, ecosystems, main general types. And one of them is a degraded forest. So the forest can turn into a persistently degraded forest. And probably that's the case of the, these forests where Gatier and co-authors found that the forest is changing to a, to a source. Uh, so they are not going to come back. So it would be an alternative stable state, but off as a forest. And in our case, we were trying to see, understand the tipping point of the forest existing as a forest and it, how could, if, what could cause it to shift. And we see that the Amazon, in, in some parts in the north of the Amazon, in the south of the Amazon, and in parts of the center, are getting significantly drier. And they, in the next three decades, they can turn into a state where we call it bistable, which means that the forest 
when it's disturbed, it may no longer be able to recover. And then it could be trapped in an open flammable state, not a forest anymore. And across most of the Amazon, uh, I think more than 80% of the Amazon, except for the West, extreme West, the forest is getting warmer, significantly warmer. And it's in some places in the central Amazon in the Southeastern, it has already increased two degrees, up to two degrees in the last 40 years. And it could increase two degrees more in the next 30 years. So that together with the droughts causes a huge water stress in the system. And this is the, 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 the mean temperature. So, I mean, we see the mean temperature during the dry season when it's most important. To, but uh, then you have the extremes like this El Nino that we just uh, experienced. Uh, and so in, in the, under these conditions, uh, an extreme period of El Nino, for example, extreme event could be very disastrous and cause massive wildfires. Uh, so these things are happening. Roads are expanding deeper into the Amazon. Deforestation is expanding and fires. And then so parts of the forest of the Amazon system that were thought of as resilient, like the central Amazon and the western Amazon, are increase, increasingly exposed to these stressing conditions and to disturbances. So the, the reason why the, the stresses are happening is because of a combination of CO2 heat, which obviously has its own feedback and distribution of moisture and rainfall, and also uh, global drivers, which we call temporary, but even so they can have a permanent um, impact on, on locally if they, are, if they are very powerful like El Nino currently. And so just to, to, in the paper, we divide exactly like you said, into three main categories of stressors. And they all are related to water stress. So at the end, they cause water stress. In the forest, water stress causes forest loss. Forest loss causes feedbacks into these stressors. And then it, so there, is, there are feedback loops. And the, the, there are two main, for, main drivers that, so one is global, global warming. Global warming is causing regional climatic changes in the Amazon. And so it's getting drier and warmer, as a very broadly saying. And then there is a, from a local perspective, it's land use changes are also causing forest loss, accumulated forest. So the Amazon is getting, is accumulating the percentage of the system that is converted into a non-forest, non right? So it's weakening the forest rainfall feedback. So the more we lose forest, the, the weaker it gets this feedback. So this is, it's also re, uh, re causing regional climatic changes. So these, all these things are interacting and could accelerate a, a possible tipping point at, at um, par in parts of the Amazon and even in large parts of the system. Practical understanding of rainforest responses is a key component of any ongoing research. Deep in the heart of the Amazon rainforest, scientists are engaged in a groundbreaking experiment called Amazon Face. Here, they are artificially raising carbon dioxide levels across a small, experimental part of the forest to mimic future conditions, studying how rainforests respond to a warming world and the predicted greenhouse gas levels that could tip Earth's natural systems, such as the Amazon, into a different state. 
Professor Richard Betts is part of the Amazon Face team. So in Amazon Face, uh, we are trying to understand how the forest responds to higher levels of carbon dioxide uh, in the atmosphere. So previous work done at smaller scales uh, and in laboratories and with small scale experiments has shown that photosynthesis is increased by high levels of carbon dioxide. So on the whole, plants grow more and take up carbon from the atmosphere. But in the real world and at larger scales, there might be limitations to this. Depends on how much nutrients there are in the soil, what the weather's doing, anything else, the environment like uh, insects and diseases and so on. So the important thing about the Amazon face experiment, it's a real live real world experiment at the size of part of a forest to see how CO2 affects the growth of forests. We've done a lot of the background studies, the, the patches of forest where these uh, face rings, these rings of towers, where they've been built, those patches of forest have been studied for many years actually, so we know what's happening with the different species of trees within them, but we've not seen any effects of CO2 yet because we've not started to elevate the CO2. So practical and theoretical investigations working hand in hand to deliver a far more comprehensive understanding of the way that the Amazon rainforest is responding to our warming climate. Final words now from Richard Betts on the importance of their approach to writing this scientific paper. I think that paper is, is going to be really important because it's got such a, a, a large and diverse author team. So you literally have got a huge team of expert, experts with uh, different viewpoints, different fields of expertise. So it's one of these papers where getting everyone to agree on the paper is a huge achievement. Uh, so we have come to uh, a, a, a very comprehensive uh, paper which brings together all our views and reconciles the differences of opinion that you might get there, the different viewpoints. So I think it's going to be a really powerful uh, paper. But it also it's kind of poignant for me because uh, I've been working on this idea of you know, potential tipping point in the Amazon, potential Amazon dieback for nearly 25 years now. So it started out as a model projection and very theoretical. And now the evidence that it exists uh, is getting stronger and stronger. We are seeing these droughts. So it's a genuine concern. Uh, so this is kind of the latest update on some work that we have been doing in the Met Office for, for 25 years. That's amazing. That's brilliant. And I, I presume that the multidisciplinary approach to these type of papers now is something which will become more commonplace to get the, sort of the best outcomes. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's very important that climate scientists work with ecologists uh, and social scientists, people that understand the forest and the people that uh, live within the forest and all the uh, economic aspects and, uh, and so on. So, yeah, multidisciplinary, interdisciplinary working uh, is crucial these days. Yeah. Our thanks then to Professor Richard Betts and to Dr. Bernardo Flores for their time and insights. Their research paper was published in the journal Nature, February 2024. To find more on their work, please go to the Met Office website. Thanks for listening. I'm Dr. Doug McNeil. Join me next time when we'll be investigating the use of AI in understanding the future climate.